This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Uh, hi, Mr. Vilesh. Welcome to Trending Diaries Show. It's lovely to have you. Thank you so much for getting out the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, so the theme that we have, you know, decided for this particular podcast uh, is positive psychology. And I think uh, we cannot think of anyone else except you. So just to start with, to make our audience, uh, make our viewers aware about what exactly is positive psychology and how do you become positive psychology? Oh, so, you know, positive psychology is a relatively new field. So you, uh, you know, it's a scientific study of what makes life worth living. Okay, so that's a good way to to look at it. So there are scientific approaches to look at the feelings, thoughts, behaviors of of a good life. Uh, there's a huge focus on strengths and positive emotions, building good relationships. So there are all these dimensions, and all this is used towards uh focusing on strengths rather than weaknesses focusing on moving somebody from from average to say being being excellent uh compared to moving from somebody from who's you know somebody who's struggling to to being average and uh, also there are elements of positive institutions there are elements of 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 positive behavior and though the field was was started only in you know, in the late 90s, in 1998, when, you know, the, the creator of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, he was the president of, of APA and he created this, this new field as a, as a sub-category of, of the field of psychology. Uh, the idea was to focus on, because this traditional psychology or, or what's just called psychology is to focus on studying the struggles, studying uh, mental illness, uh, looking at, at depression and different kinds of it and so on. So he decided that let's look at the good stuff. And that's what positive psychology is all about. And of course, there is, um, you know, I got into it, uh, let's say, purely by accident, you know, because I have an undergrad degree in, in mechanical engineering. So you know how it is in India, right? There's a conveyor belt. So after you finish your class 12, sorry, yeah. After you finish your class 12, you sit on that conveyor belt and you either will become an engineer or a doctor or, you know, during my time, there was, there was some buzz around being a lawyer or doing an MBA and things like that. So I was, I was part of that. And, uh, though even, even when I was doing engineering, I think I had a, I had a real interest in psychology but, you know, you never think you can make a career out of it and you can do that for a living. So that's pretty much what I did. I, I did engineering and um, then very quickly in my career, I got into training. And I used to be a tech trainer, you know, training people on what's called CAD CAM and CAE, computer-aided designing, mostly working with design engineers and, and training them. But 
that's sort of when I realized that, you know, training is the field that I should be in. So I moved out of engineering completely and started focusing on areas of training that I enjoyed. So I did a lot of uh, training related to behavioral skills, uh, communication, also a lot of language training. And I kept sort of re-educating myself because, mm. um, you know, suddenly when you move out of the engineering field, you you don't have a, what, what should I say? You don't have a degree. Mm. So you, I started re-educating myself. And at some point, I did a master's in psychology from the University of Missouri in the US and became a full-time psychologist and specialized in positive psychology. I think that's 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 broadly my 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 journey into into positive psychology. That's the whole way you find your own ideal career, right? And I think this is something that lots of people right now still struggle with. Uh, as you mentioned that you know the times that you belong to that you were talking about there were a few options whether you talk about engineering being a doctor being a lawyer but now uh, when we talk about the Gen Z generation there's a whole lot of era like you know you can be a creator you can create videos you can create podcasts you can create anything and you know that's a, a another career in the unless and until you're not from the social media side so what do you think, what lessons have you learned along the way uh, that others listening to this podcast can learn while they can find their uh, ideal uh, uh, career? Because even having so much choices makes it even harder, right? So what lessons make you find your calling it or your ideal career, which people today can apply to the same? Well, uh, yeah, you are right. I think in some ways we are now really, you know, uh, spoiled for choice. Mm. So I think, uh, I, I don't know, for, like I said, you know, I got I got into this field uh, quite by accident. When we talk about our background and, and, you know, when we think about our autobiographical memories, we, are, we often try to build a coherent story. And many times that's not the case. You know, a lot of things just happen by sheer chance. You meeting somebody and that person recommends you and you get into a, a company and that becomes your, uh, you know, your direction in your career and so on. But uh, I think if somebody was to use some things which I used or, you know, draw some lessons out of it, one thing would definitely to be, I know this, this is the trending diary podcast, <laughs> but one of the things is to, is to break away from trends because just because a lot of people are doing one thing, it doesn't necessarily make it the right thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that's certainly one thing. If uh, if you have some sort of clarity in your mind and heart that you're really good at something, I think it's it's all right to pursue that, and uh, you'll you'll do it uh, quite well. And uh, also the fact that uh, you know producing results matters in any field. So whether you're an architect or a photographer or, you know, uh, somebody who's, uh, or, or a doctor or whatever, at the end of the day, results overshadow other things, including something like qualification. I mean, you'll look around and find a lot of people who are not necessarily qualified to do what they're doing, but they're doing it really well and producing results. So that's something people could ask themselves in terms of, you know, where could I produce results for others? And that's, uh, a good clue into 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 finding what you like to do, and also if you if you're really passionate about something, 
it's good to collect evidence in in that in that direction you know you'll always find people who are telling you why uh, what you're doing is uh, is not the right thing and you know recently i was a couple of weeks ago in toronto and there's a friend of mine who invested in a uh, you know in a couple of houses in toronto and when he was doing it he had a lot of people telling him you know do you think you're doing the right thing you should put the money in the stock market such a big investment and and so on and then now it's it's worked out really well for for him and um, so i think if you're doing something like if you're getting into uh, a, a new field uh, if you're becoming a fashion designer it's good to read about the industry and why the industry is doing well and the people who are succeeding there as opposed to looking at uh, why you could flop or fail in that in that field you know it's something like you're feeling really good about yourself and about your life and then you go for your school reunion your uh, 20th 25th 30th whatever school reunion and you meet a lot of these people who suddenly looks like everyone's in better shape than you or looks like everyone's driving a better car than you and you were suddenly exposed to this event where you could easily collect evidence for why you're not in good shape or why you didn't financially do well or something like that and you end up you end up feeling miserable so i think it's a good idea when you're pursuing a direction to collect evidence which which supports that and that uh, maybe maybe those are some lessons which will help people get to where they want to be when we talk we are talking about helping people a lot of our audience are working professionals like the, the students they are from corporate or from the creator industry tell us a bit more about the positive psychology you know and how most important how it can be applied to the real life to the world how can it make them 1% better mhm so i mean there's so many dimensions to positive psychology there's a whole strengths dimension there's a whole dimension of uh looking at the at the good things in life and expanding on them uh, if you were to use it in an organization looking at what the company is doing well and expanding on that rather than looking at what they're doing wrong and 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 you know fixing weaknesses and we have this phenomenon across the world where you know right from school if you really poor in math you know you sent for math tuitions or remedial classes to get better at it but you might be really good in in languages and nobody notices that so a big part of positive psychology is to notice and and expand on that and uh, as you mentioned since since a lot of your uh, uh, you know audience of this podcast are students or working professionals there's a model in positive psychology called perma okay p e r m a and that's the perma's acronym for a big uh, you know for an essential part of well-being so p stands for positive emotions so whether you're a working professional or a, or a student if you can experience more positive emotions you know then you'll you live a better life mm-hmm. and i think uh, that works across the board so uh, if you spend the whole year feeling i you know just think about the people you know i'm sure you will spot some people who are mostly upbeat and feeling good and in a good mood and you will have some friends or colleagues people who are often in not a great mood grumpy moody and so on so yeah. if you're moody throughout the year even if you go on that 
annual vacation in December somewhere, you're likely to carry your moodiness with you. So one of the things that you could do is look at spending the day experiencing more positive emotions. So P stands for positive emotions. And that's a good way for you to use this in life. E stands for engagement. So look at those parts of your work where you're really, really engaged and, you know, time, uh, time stands still or you spent three hours doing something, but it, but it sort of felt like five minutes. That's a good indicator of something that, that you're really good at that, or that you, that you enjoy doing. And it usually happens when your biggest strengths match the work that you're doing. So the second thing is engagement. I think the more engaged you are, you'll, you'll live a better life. Uh, the R of PERMA stands for relationships. So look at all those great relationships. You know, we all have those two or three people who we're really close to and who matter to us. But sometimes there are 10 or 15 people we're not really in touch with. Okay. So I wrote an article some years ago called How Many Meetings Do You Have Left? And it was because, you know, there's this really good friend of mine and I met him we met each other and I realized in the last 10 years, I met him like two or three times and we, we both just turned 30 mm-hmm. and we said, look, if we both live till 60 or 70, we just have about 12 or 13 meetings left, you know, before we, before we die. So <laughs> it's good to look at those important relationships in your life and see if you're meeting those people often enough, if you're really connecting with them. So R stands for positive relationships. The better your relationships, the better the quality of your life. And um, M stands for meaning. So is is what you're doing make, making sense? You know, a lot of times when people try to start something on their own, you know, they quit their job and it's really meaningful to become your own boss or have your own company. And they work really hard at it. They work, uh, it's like running a marathon. You know, people who are running those 42-odd kilometers they're going through the grind, but it's really meaningful. So they do it all the same. So the more meaning you have in your life, the better the quality of your life. So that's something for you to look for at work. Or if you're a student or if you're studying a course that's meaningful to you, you're likely to do it better. And the last part is accomplishment. Everybody likes to do something well and feel that sense of accomplishment. Even people who say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be part of the corporate world. It's too competitive. I, I don't want to be part of the rat race. Even if you quit everything and go sit on the mountain, even the gurus out there who are sitting in the Himalayas, they're trying to accomplish something. They're trying to experience that sense of enlightenment or whatever. So if you can be in a field where you can taste success, taste accomplishment, I think you'll lead a a better life. So to to sum that up, the model is called PERMA. P stands for positive emotions. E stands for engagement. Uh, R stands for relationships better relationships, M stands for meaning and A is accomplishment. And maybe if you keep that in mind, you can improve the quality of your work and and life in general. Beautiful. I think this is one of the best definitions I've heard. Uh, You know, how one needs to lead a life for Mm one. So what what tools or techniques of positive psychology can uh, from all walks of life apply to improve their life and be happier? Uh, well, the good thing about positive psychology when it came up, like, you know, compared to if you were studying depression or if you're studying 
uh, if you're doing clinical psychology and studying anxiety or stress, it was really difficult for psychologists to practice a lot of the things that they preach because you're speaking to a person who's who's got uh, a mental disturbance or a problem. It's really difficult for you to try it out yourself if you don't have that problem, right? So the good thing about positive psychology was it was working on people who didn't really have any problem and looking at the good life, looking at m- not moving from people uh, or rather looking at not moving people from minus three to a zero, but moving people from zero to a plus five or a plus 10. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of techniques which which came out as a result. One popular thing that people could use is it's called the what went well technique. What went well. What went well. Yes, that's right. So there's, there's something called the Tetris effect. So if you, you know, the game Tetris where the blocks fall from the from the top of the screen and you have to keep arranging them. Yeah. So they got, they got people to play Tetris for many hours in a week. And they realized that the people who kept playing Tetris later when they did other things, like if they looked at books on a bookshelf, they thought about arranging books and putting them in that order. Or if they looked at the, at the New York skyline, they looked at the buildings and mentally sort of calculated that this building, if turned by 90 degrees, would fit between these two buildings and so on. Love the muscle memory or something? It's, it's called the Tetris effect. The Tetris effect, okay. Yeah, and it happens in all fields. So if you're, a, if you're into software testing, you spend the whole day looking at, looking for mistakes or looking for errors. And you become, you become really good at it. So you also go through life looking for mistakes. If you have a life partner, you're constantly spotting errors in your life partner. So what, what the what went well exercise does is, at the end of the day, you write down three things that went well on that day. And it doesn't have to be earth shattering. It doesn't have to be like, you know, uh, you floated your own company or, or you won the Olympics. You know? <laughs> it can be something really small. Like you got your you got your Uber on time, or uh, you got to work and you had a great lunch, or you met somebody but after some a long time. Of food. Yeah, food. <laughs> yeah. What's what's that? I'm sorry, I missed that. Good food, good food, a good lunch or a good dinner. Oh yes, oh yes, it could be anything like that. And when you do this, it sort of shifts the focus onto looking at the little things that that went well. And that greatly shoots up the quality of your experience of life. And people who do this, they, uh, you know, there's a lot of studies which support the fact that it, uh, they feel they feel less anxiety, less depression. They experience more positive emotions in life, and so on. So that's certainly one technique to follow. Uh, another really simple thing to do is, you know, look at all those things that you enjoy doing. You know, people when you ask them this, they say, "Oh, I love reading. I love." working out uh, I love having coffee in the morning I love you know so many things but then how much of your day are you spending doing those things so if you just make a list of the top 10 things that you love doing and spend some time every day at least doing a couple of them that's another positive psychology technique which you could use you know just generally to live a good life also another thing that you're also an author of the book you know, from behavior to well-being. What is your book about and uh, like how one can get a good value out of the book? Well, a lot of people ask me this, ask me about the book and my experience of writing it and so on. So it, it's, it's, a non, it's a non-fiction book. Uh, 
there's no so there's no real story in in the book there's no storyline though there are a number of stories and examples of my clients and people i've coached and worked with uh in the book uh in terms of writing it you know i often get asked what what is the experience of writing the book and how do you write the book and so on and once again i think i think i'm not a great example of that because i i don't think i really sat down and and wrote the book you know mm-hmm. so to say from start to finish but at some point about 10 or 15 years ago i decided to start writing and uh, i live in bangalore so i went to this bookshop called i think it's called variety bookshop or variety bookstore and i picked up a bunch of magazines which i thought i could contribute to so maybe this is a good message for people who plan to write so i picked up about 10 or 15 magazines and then if you open any magazine you know on the first first or second page you'll find the details of the editor or the editor in chief so i wrote to all of them saying a very targeted message saying i like your magazine i think i could contribute to this section and i can write about you know my my field of interest and i wrote to 15 of them not expecting anything but i thought it's a good way to start writing instead of just writing something and storing it on my uh, notepad or, or laptop to to have it published and see it out there so out of that about five or six people got back to me and i sent them a sample and i started writing for three or four magazines so i kept writing for different combinations of magazines writing articles over the years and finally when i decided to write a book you know one of my mentors at the at the university of missouri said you know what is your idea of writing the book and uh, i said it's it's mostly to get my ideas out there and of course to strengthen my uh, a personal brand as a psychologist and consultant and and so on and he said look you you've written so so much of stuff so why don't you just publish it and um, you know when i was thinking of becoming a writer a lot of my well meaning friends they you know got me in touch with some writers i went for writing events and so on and i realized in maybe this is across the world but definitely in india almost everybody has a book idea they know the concept of the book they know the storyline they know the name of the book they even know where they want to uh, want to do the book launch they have everything other than the book and i i think i <laughs> didn't belong to that bandwagon in fact all i had was a book because i had written by then a few hundred articles on human behavior or positive psychology so i published about 64 of them and that's what became my book and uh, maybe this more unpublished work which i'll publish some day and that's that's really the story of my book lovely and also talking about what have been your favorite books because we are talking about books what have been your three favorite books well i have a bunch of favorite books one of my all time favorite books is uh, it's always on my table and if you can see this it's called zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance okay, okay. um i've recommended this book to a lot of people i've also uh, what you this particular copy is i don't know if you can see that somewhere there it's the 40th anniversary edition mm-hmm. and the book came out in the late 60s or 70s but i had the I had the 10th anniversary edition the 25th anniversary edition is somewhere on my shelf I, i mean i kept buying different editions because i gave away copies to people and and got new ones but um Yeah I think that's that's a book that really inspired me and I still read it from time to time I've recommended it to a lot of people it's by a writer called Robert Persick it's about quality and about about zen 
and about loosely about a motorcycle ride that they take across a part of the US. Yes. And sounding it down, there's the one thing that I'm always curious to know for uh, to you know know from my guests. What is the one trend that you would like to see reach more trending in the new world or more evolving in the new world? One trend. Well, uh, you know, before I answer that, Priya, I think, like they say, I, I need to purchase insurance. <laughs> you know, I'm the last person to, I'm the last person to pick up trends and you know adopt new things. But uh, I think, you know, to me, a trend means like means two things. One is it's a change in direction, and uh, you know, and once you have that new direction, many people start adopting it and, and, and following it. So um, if just one person's wearing this new kind of shirt or, uh, you know, sunglasses, I don't think it, it, it becomes a trend. It starts becoming a trend when a lot of people adopt it. But I think nowadays, if you ask people, they will tell you like AI is a trend or chat GPT is a trend and, and, and so on. But I think to me, the real trend is that because of this, like I do a lot of corporate work, a lot of people in companies are really thinking about which part of their jobs will not be replaced by AI or with ChatGPT? So maybe that's a real trend. People are having to tap into uh, what's really original about themselves and what stands out and what cannot be replaced by technology or by, by anything else that's out there. And maybe, um, you know, many years ago, Jeff Bezos in an interview said, no matter what changes, Customers will always want high quality products or they'll, they'll always want speed. If you order something and it reaches you on time or before time, you're going to be pleased. I mean, that's never going to change. So I think like that, uh, you know, a good way to tap into trends is to look at what remains constant. I mean, people will always, we spoke about Burma, people will always want to experience positive emotions. There's never going to be a time when somebody says, oh, you know, I'm feeling so good today and it's, it's, it's horrible. Uh, I can't. I can't deal with this goodness. I'm feeling awesome, and you know, it, it, it's so horrible that I'm feeling awesome. <laughs> so people will. Some things will remain constant, and I think trends will catch on as long as they align to that. I think it's all about evolving. Uh, yes, so the trend that you really want to see is people evolving to the new life, embracing the change, embracing the positive emotions in them, and of course. Uh, I, I, I love that and agree one of the most unique trends someone asked for so uh, thank you thank you so much Mr. Vinesh it's lovely talking to you I, I look forward to reading your book definitely when I said that I, I myself is, a, is an avid reader I love to read a lot of books so definitely I look forward to that and thank you again look forward to host you someday in person when you are in India so thanks a lot, Priya. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, you know, uh, guiding me through these set of questions. I look forward to, you know, maybe doing a Q&A at some point with your, with your audience who are interested. We'll do that. Sure.